we've been in our Roman series, and in our Roman series, uh, we're in chapter 11 today, and uh, I kicked off uh, Romans 9, Kirk did 10, I'm doing 11, and we said a couple weeks ago, Romans 9, 10, 11, if you read through the book of Romans, you'll, it, it feels like a, a left turn, it feels like a curveball, uh, you got nothing but a bunch of fastballs after a little while, because uh, Paul uh, starts talking about the history of Israel and Israel's rejection of God, and, and all these crazy things that you're like, what? What's going on here? Where did this come from? He's like, he's kind of alluded to some of this before, but maybe not completely, but he has, but maybe it wasn't as obvious. And, and then Romans 12 uh, comes back, and you're like, oh, this kind of sounded like the stuff I was reading before. Really, in all this one big thing, but Romans uh, 9, 10, 11 really hit on something a little, a little bit different, I guess, for lack of a better term. It's not different, but it's just... It's um, uh, a lot of times when people are studying the book of Romans or preaching out of it, I should say, uh, they skip 9, 10, and 11 because it's such a different discussion in those three chapters. So uh, we're going to do as good of justice as we can, but we're going to ex- extrapolate, right? There's a big word for you today. There's your 10 dollar word for the day. We're going to extrapolate one big idea about it, and uh, I'll get to that one idea in a second. Romans 11. When Paul starts off Romans 11, he starts it off with two questions. There's two big questions that he uses to set the stage for what I think is his main idea in Romans 11. The first question happens in Romans chapter 11, verses 1. The entire discussion goes through 1 through 10, but we're going to talk about 1 through 5. We're going to because that's on the screen. And here's the question I ask then. This is Paul's words, not mine. Like I said, did God reject his people? By no means. I'm an Israelite myself a descendant of Abraham. So what Paul is saying here, and we'll come back to reading it, is he, he the first question he asks is he says, because of Israel's rejection of God and God's judgment on Israel, did God reject Israel? And Paul says no. Paul goes on to say, God did not reject his people whom he foreknew. Don't you know what scripture says about this pastor about Elijah? How he appealed to God against Israel. Lord, you have, they have killed your prophets, torn down your altars. I am the only one left, and they are trying to kill me. Verse 4, and what was God's answer to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 who have not bowed their knee to Baal. So too, at the present time, there is a remnant yes. chosen by grace. So Paul's answer, number one, to the, he asked the question, but answered the question. Right, Bert and I talked about this a month or so ago. Right, Paul just... Paul likes to ask questions, right? He's like, I'm going to ask you a question. You don't know the answer, but I know the answer. You should know the answer, but you weren't reading your Bible. Well, you should be reading your Bible. So I'm going to tell you what you should have known when you were really reading your Bible, that you weren't reading your Bible. Basically, that's what Paul is saying. And he says, here's the first question. Has God rejected Israel? No. God's always had a remnant. Okay? You don't have to understand the entire history of Israel to understand that simply this. God gave a plan, gave a blessing, gave a... Uh, Gave some great stuff for Israel. They rejected it. God had the option to, to say, I'm done with all of you. The Lord said, no, I reserve some. Even while everyone else is wild and going crazy, I reserve some who still have their heart to me. Yes. So that's number one. Amen. Amen. Number two, the second question. Verse 11 of chapter 11. Paul asks the second question. He says, again, I ask, did they stumble... As to the time of Israel to fall beyond recovery. Not at all. And here's the reason why Paul's asking this question is because the next idea that Paul sets up 
as he talks about Israel's rejection and how there's a remnant, he says, but not right yet. He said, here's the other side of the coin. While Israel was supposed to be God's chosen people, the, the, the example to the world of a relationship with God, they rejected it. And the Lord gave the gospel, gave the opportunity, the blessing that Israel had. He then said, all you Gentiles, those who are not Israel, you now get to have and get to be a part of the blessing. And then Israel got jealous. They got jelly. They got FOMO. Whatever other words you want to come up with. FOMO is fear of missing out. I, 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 I learned a while ago that sometimes I use some young, young people colloquialism. Uh, articulate and define for my older folks. <laughs> and then for older, for younger people, I do it all the time. I was like, this is a, a, a CD player. <laughs> you know, we're just bridging the gap. Come on, we're bridging the gap. All generations. Israel got jealous when they saw the blessings of God that were promised to them go to the Gentiles. And they got mad. They're like, yo. I referenced in my last message, right, the, the prodigal son, he had the older brother. Hey, I didn't leave. I was always here. What's up with that? How did my younger brother get everything? Right? This idea that Israel was jealous because the little brother, the Gentile, the one that was never supposed to get the blessing of the birthright, they got it. And Paul goes on to say, not at all. They didn't fall beyond recovery. Rather, because of their transgression, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make Israel envious. But it was their transgression. But if their transgression means riches for the world, and their loss means riches for the Gentile, how much greater the riches will their full inclusion bring? Mm. See, I give you a whole bunch of information in, in a couple of short minutes because it's either I give you just a nugget or two, or we spend a couple of several hours <laughs> dissecting all that scripture, and we don't have that time. But I would encourage you, man, that's a, this is a great 9, 10, 11. It's some great chunk of scripture to open up your Bible, cross-reference it with, with Old Testament scripture, get some Bible commentaries, get with some folks who, who maybe understand it, or, or compare some notes with some other folks. But here right there, we, we see something. We see a picture <coughs> of what God is doing. <coughs> and it, quite frankly, it's two sides of the same coin. I was about to say I brought a quarter. I brought two quarters with me, but I did not. I had two friends who gave me a quarter each. So I can't claim that these are mine, but shouts to the building fund and redeem. It's the widow's might. Every penny and quarter count. You see, what you have here is two sides of the same coin of who God is. You've got on one side, you've got the fact that we serve a just and righteous and pretty severe, not severe, I mean, you can say severe, but a very stern God. And he's like, yo, you messed up. But the other side of the coin, we see a God of mercy and kindness. Even though you messed up, I still got an exit strategy for you. Even though you messed up, and you messing up, I got to show my grace and love and mercy to a whole other group of people in a way they may not have seen it. I wish you wouldn't have messed up, but you did. 
Now, here's the thing. I, I, we always talk about this retroactively, right? We've got to understand something. Uh, the lamb was slain from the foundations of the earth. The, this stuff didn't just surprise God. Like, oh, no, Israel messed up. What am I going to do? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> no. God said, hey, I'm giving you my plan. I'm giving you my blessing. Hey, I kind of know you're not going to make it. You're not going to get over the hump. You're not going to jump the hurdle. But it's okay. I've got a plan. But I'm still in my kindness. In my, in my, in, 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 uh, uh, the Bible says long suffering, right? His, his patience. In my kindness, I'm still going to give you some on ramps to yes. this freeway that you jumped off of. But when you jump off the freeway and you take the wrong exit, don't get mad at me when you hit a few dead ends. Yeah. Don't get mad at me when you hit a couple potholes. Come on now, y'all know. Don't get mad at me when Lakeland decides to build 97 roundabouts and the people want to drive roundabouts. Amen. I know how to function in roundabout, but some, some, I'm not going to point fingers. <laughs> Romans 22, Romans 11, 22. Paul says this. He said, you've seen yes. the part that says, this is my plan and you messed up. But you've also seen the part that says, I kept a remnant for myself and I have a plan, not just for you, but for the entire world. And Paul says these words. This is what we're extrapolating today. Consider, therefore, the kindness and the sternness. We're going to focus on the kindness. But quite frankly, this morning, as I was kind of rereading my notes, I, if I could go back and do 9 and 10 and 11... Uh, I, I, I probably would have said, Kurt, let's do this. Let's do one week on the sternness of God, and let's do another week on the kindness of God. But, yeah. but I, I think I can articulate the, the sternness or the severity, one translation says, of God in this context. Consider, therefore, the kindness and the sternness of, of God, the sternness to those who fell but the kindness to you, speaking specifically to the Gentile, but really, we can understand this kindness is extended to all, provided that you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you also will be cut off. This kindness and sternness of God, these two sides of the same coin, we see constantly throughout Scripture, and we know it. If you've read the Bible a little bit, you've probably been, 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 been maybe pushed and pulled a little bit with, you know, the question you get is sometimes, right, why does the God of the Old Testament seem so different from the God of the New Testament? He's the same God. Same God. But, but I believe, this is, this is, I'll share this, I believe God had to lay a foundation, right? And you can't mess up when you lay a foundation. You can maybe get a couple things wrong when you're building the structure. You can maybe, you know, you can maybe shim a couple things here, cheat a little bit there. You can kind of make up some differences here and there. But when you lay the foundation, I'm not even a builder, and I know that, right? You don't want me building nothing, okay? <laughs> I'll tear some things apart. <laughs> but when you lay the foundation, like an expert builder, Scripture actually says. We see this throughout Scripture. Exodus chapter 34. The Lord... The compassionate and gracious God who's slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Kindness. Mercy. Yet, he does not leave the guilty unpunished. 
He punishes the children on uh, he punishes the children and their children for the sins of their parents, the third and fourth generation. Yo, you're gonna have to pay. And here's the sad reality. If you don't check what you're doing, your stuff will trickle into future generations. You gotta check what you're doing. I don't think this brings the Lord joy to say this. He's just keeping it. Keep uh, uh, another line. He's keeping it a buck or one hundred. He's he's not lying to you. He's giving you everything. Isaiah 54. In a surge of anger, a sternness, I hid my face from you for a moment. But with everlasting kindness, I will have compassion on you, says your Lord, your Redeemer. Matthew 10. Jesus, his words, do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside of your father's care. And even the very hairs on your head are numbered. So don't be afraid. You're worth far more than a sparrow. The Lord will do what he's got to do. He will be just and righteous and firm. But he's also going to be tender-hearted. He's going to be close to you. Paul already told us this in Romans 2. Mm-hmm. Romans 2. Or do you show contempt for the riches and kindness and forbearance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness was intended for your repentance? But because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, Storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when righteous judgment will be revealed. We talked about this already in Romans chapter 2. It wasn't like a surprise. I don't think we always sometimes let it like marinate and get in us. But Paul's pointing it out. He says, the reality is this. is our God we serve. There's two sides of the same coin. He's fully God. There is no... There is, I understand. Here's, here's, the, here's one part. And, 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 and uh, I won't... Uh, Marty and I were talking about this. We'll go into great detail, and, but it was funny, Marty. Right after you and I talked about this, the next day I had a conversation with someone. Sometimes we hit these points with the Lord where we're like, Lord, I don't get that. This scripture leaves me unsettled. And we wrestle with the Lord. Can I tell you something, church? He's okay when you wrestle with him. Yes. He's okay with it. He's okay that you say, God, I don't like that. He's okay with it. He's okay when you say, God, I love it. And you say, God, I don't like it. He wants you to be in the fight and in the trenches with him. That's what he's desiring of you. You read the scripture, you're like, I don't understand that. I don't get that. The Bible says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I realized this this morning. I was reviewing my notes, and I had this thought that popped to my head. And and, and, and I think one thing, um, the Bible is infallible, inerrant, perfect, awesome, the, the word of God. Okay? It is. But I think one thing that we sometimes forget about the Bible is... Well, number one, it, it doesn't just tell a polished story of like, everything is peachy keen and good, yay. It doesn't tell that story. Okay? There's some of that in there, but read it. There's a lot that's not. But, but the, the other reality is I think when we read like the words of Paul is we're reading the words of a man or the words of the people of God who they've gone through some stuff and now they've come to these conclusions. So we're reading them. Uh, this, is the, this is the conclusion. This is the final chapter of their book. Not literally the book, but the, 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 the story they've been on, the narrative, the journey they've been on. We're getting the conclusion. After uh, Paul says, what is it, in Galatians? He said when he came to know Christ, 
He didn't consult with anybody else. He went to Jesus University and spent time with the Lord. I can't remember how long it was. I think it was for a couple of years. Yeah. So he spent, before he goes back out and preaches, he spent about two or so years. Two is the number to come ahead if I'm off on that. I know it's somewhere in that neighborhood. Before he goes back out and preaches the gospel, he spent a couple of years with the Lord. Part of that was because the disciples didn't trust him. Part of that was because he knew he had to relearn. He had to unlearn some stuff and relearn some stuff. And we don't get some of those. We get the results of that time with the Lord, but we don't get necessarily get the nitty-gritty what Paul was doing in the trenches when he probably had some tough questions. He's like, but God, why? So now when we read these words of Paul, we see the end result. Yes. You know what? I think a lot of times what we do is we compare someone's chapter 10 to your chapter 1. Like, that's not what you're supposed to do. Like, I'm not the most senior uh, believer in the world, but I've been serving the Lord for 25 years. If you've been serving the Lord for 25 months, I hope I'm ahead of the race in you. If not, I have done something drastically wrong. If you've been serving the Lord for 25 months, someone's been serving the Lord for a week, I would hope that you're a little bit ahead of the race. I'm not saying you're better. I'm not saying I'm better. I'm just saying you spent more time. So we got to get in this place where we understand if you're wrestling with the Lord, if you're still going through something, if you're still wrestling with something, if you still got something going on inside of you, praise God. You're alive and kicking. That's all that means. You just joined the club. You're part of the party. You just arrived. We're all in process. Hearing these end results where Paul can come to these pretty heavy conclusions is because he's already wrestled with this fact. He's wrestled with the fact that, man, my God's going to judge. My God's going to be merciful. My God's going to be stern, but he's going to be good and kind. Even though it doesn't always make sense because he seems like it's two different people. It's one God sitting on the throne saying, I will show mercy as I see fit. I will give judgment as I see fit. Why? Because he sees the whole scope and span of of space, time, and everything. Uh, I remember years ago, I was at a conference and it was Tony Campolo. You know that name from from, uh, back in the day. He held a giant rubber band ball and he said, the closest way I can describe how God functions outside of time, it's like a giant rubber band ball is everyone's life, all of time, all of time and space and universe. And God stands outside of it. He sees it all interacting and happening at the same time. And he's functioning, he's working, he's operating in every part of human life and existence in its totality. Because he sees the end result. He sees the beginning, the middle, and the end. And he's fully active in every part. So when he judges and he determines, he says yes or no to things, it does not feel good in the moment. But it makes sense in the grand scheme of things. But we'll never fully understand that until we meet him face to face. That's the hard part. I wish I had good news for you if you're going through stuff. The good news is he's got everything in control. The not so good news is you will not feel like that for a very long time, potentially. That was a part circle. <laughs> that whole dialogue that we just had, Paul gets to the end of chapter 11. He breaks up to worship. Because he's gone through the hard stuff. He's gone through the dead ends, the potholes, the ups, the downs, the ins, the outs. He's had the good days, the mountaintop experiences. He's been in the valley, and then he breaks up into worship, and he says, Oh, the depths, uh, this is Romans eleven thirty-three. Oh, the depths 
of the riches of wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Verse 34, who has the mind of the Lord or who can be his counselor? You should go to the marriage class and we should all get counseling, but there is nothing we can say to the Lord, right? <laughs> who has ever given to him that he should repay? For from him and through him and for him, I almost, I almost made that a message, but we don't get into all that. From him and through him and for him are all things. And to him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Paul could break out in worship because he understood the kindness of God. He understood it when he wrote in Ephesians chapter 2. I'm skipping Corinthians, by the way. Ephesians chapter 2. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ when while we were dead in our transgressions, it was by grace that we've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Jesus Christ, in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved. This is why you can worship. Because Paul knew all that. And then knew this. This is through faith. This is not from yourselves. This is a gift from God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Verse 10, for we are God's handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in us, prepared in advance for us to do. Paul could break out in worship because of that. Paul could break out in worship because we wrote in Titus chapter 3. But when the kindness of and the love of our God and our Savior appeared, he saved us not because yes. of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing and rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us generously through Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by grace, we might become his heirs, become heirs having the hope of eternal life. It's easy to break out into worship when you know the end game, when you know the end story, when you have gone through the ups and downs, the trenches and the valleys, and you've seen the faithfulness. You've seen the kindness in action. Can I tell you something? I did some studying. I even stole, I stole one line. Uh, I didn't even include it, but uh, it was a line I was going to add. I believe it was John Piper, actually. I found he said a line similar to this, but, but um, uh, it was him. He said, the severity is, of God is the transformational thing. That's, that's the warning track. That's the guide rails. It's the kindness of God that's the transformational part. Yes. Mm -hmm. After all of that worship, after all of Romans, really Romans, all of Romans 1 through 11, but specifically 9, 10, 11, Paul wrote, we're not, uh, Liz is doing a Romans 12 next week on Mother's Day, but I think it's fascinating that after all of that, Paul wrote this in Romans chapter 12. He says, therefore, yeah. because of everything we just said, because the worship 
we have, because of who God is, because we know what he's doing and who he is and how he's operated, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, or really his kindness, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper Man, it puts it in a different perspective. This is the only possible outcome when you understand the peaks and valleys of life and you come out on the other side. It's the only thing you can do. Do not confirm to the path of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And I've got three points, and this leads us into point number one. Here's what we have to understand. God's Kindness, the kindness of God is designed to shape you. It's designed to shape you. We talked about how Romans, that God brings you to the courthouse, brings you, brings you part of a family. Really what the Lord is doing, he's redefining family. Yeah. Because so many of us have never experienced what kindness looks like. This word kindness, it's not used all of these times, but a majority of these times. It, it, it's, it's, it's this word that means this high moral excellence. This something that's superior or great, this, 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 this true goodness. Not many of us have ever experienced true goodness. And the Lord is saying, when you experience true goodness, it, it, it changes you. Yes. Isaiah 63, I will tell of the kindness of the Lord. Man, I remember becoming a brand new believer. I may have said this before. I think I did say this before. I remember walking through the Lakewood Town Center. It was a Lakewood Mall then. Walking to the transit station. And literally, I knew one worship song. One worship song. It was, what was it? It was, holy, holy, holy is the Lord our God. Glory, glory, glory to your matchless name. Worthy, worthy, worthy is the land of the slain. The only worship song I knew. And I remember at the top of my lungs, walking to the transit station, being 15 years old, just knowing I was different. Because I met the goodness of God for the first time in my life. So I will tell of your kindness, O Lord, the deeds for which you, uh, he is to be praised according to all the Lord has done for us. Yes, the many good things he has done for Israel according to his compassion and, much, and many kindness. Kindness of God is designed to shape you. It's designed to transform you. Consider pure joy, my brothers. Therefore, I said, told one of the verses has nothing to do with this message. <laughs> Therefore, be transformed by the kindness of God. Here's the other thing: is kindness is a spiritual gift. Kindness is a spiritual gift. That's the second point. I don't think we realize this, but I alluded to it just now. But kindness is supernatural. You can't generate it. I think the problem with the world today is we think we can generate this inside of our own stuff. You can't. How do I know? Because Galatians 5 tells me. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, or, or, or forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, uh, or let us become conceited, provoking, uh, and envying each other. Kindness is something that's generated from God. Yes. Mm -hmm. If the birthplace is at the throne, the birthplace is the foot of God, the birthplace is at the heart of Jesus, the birthplace is with the Holy Spirit. We get to participate in it. Because of who he is, 
But it didn't come from us. You know why it didn't, I don't know it didn't come from us? Because this morning when I came there, someone cut me off in a roundabout because he didn't want to operate it. I cursed under my breath. And I was like, stink, i got to go preach in two hours. I'm telling all myself. That's a true story. It was a giant suit up for an excursion. And I'm still a little bit mad at him. He looked at me like I was crazy. I'm like, I'm in the roundabout. You're not supposed to be here while I'm here. Only one of us. <laughs> And I kid you not, <clears throat> driving down Washington Boulevard, take on the side roads because more things are under construction. I'm not a kind person, you haven't noticed. <laughs> driving past Ottawa Elementary, told myself, kindness doesn't come from me, it comes from That's why I can be mad at him, don't you? <laughs> kindness. If I want to be kind to this woman right now, I can't generate it. I'm going to be kindness when I go to Safeway, when I go to Target, when I'm at Starbucks. <laughs> yes. I'm going to be kind when I'm driving down the street. I'm going to be kind when I'm standing in line. I'm going to be kind in anything I'm going to do that's going to show the love and joy of God. It's not going to come from me. Amen. It's yeah. going to come because I spent time with him. I let him shape me. I let the Holy Spirit impart that into me. Amen. Romans already told us this. Romans chapter 3, check it out. As it is written... No one is righteous, no, not even one. There is none who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good. That same word, good, is the same word he used for kindness in Romans 11. Nobody can do this instead of their own stuff. Remember, worship team, come up. We have one last point. Kindness is reciprocal. Kindness is reciprocal. Kindness is designed to shape you. The kindness of God, the kindness of the Lord is designed to shape you. The kindness of the Lord, kindness does not come from you. It is supernatural by origin. Yeah. And number three, kindness is reciprocal. It's forgiving. We saw it in Galatians chapter 5. Go back to Galatians chapter 5. Verse 25. What does it say? It says, since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. Let's not become conceited, provoking each other to envy. In other words, like you know in Hebrews, you should provoke each other to love and good deed and kindness. Well, we can be more specific. Ephesians chapter 4. Paul says it. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. And Colossians chapter 3. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, close yourselves with kindness, compassion, humility, gentleness, patience. Bear with each other. Forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all of these virtues, put on love, which binds them all perfectly together. I said at the beginning of the message, just saying me, y'all. I said, I'm going to come up. Didn't I tell you? I told you this, didn't I? Damn, we talked about this. I said, there's not a lot of editing in this message. It's like 12%. Most of the time, I mean, bags I got cut off in traffic at a roundabout. I'm still a little <laughs> Altar call right now, here. We're going to hands on me. So we can deal with that. There's like 2% of me in this message. It's just what the Word of God says. 
as we operate as a church. I'll pray that we'll sing and worship together. As a matter of fact, let's stand on our feet. As we operate as a church, as we step into what the Lord has for us, as we step into the summer season, as we step into Mother's Day, Father's Day graduations, as we step into um, uh, building a new building, as we have people come in through the doors, as people ask questions, as new people come, as old people come, as whatever happens, we are to operate and function as people who understand that the Spirit of God has imparted in us and we are to be loving and kind. Not just kind in a flippant way. Just like, oh, hey, yeah, you're cool. No. It's supposed to be like a goodness, a restorative type of thing. And, and that thing won't come from you. If, if you show up on a Sunday morning feeling a little, little funky, it's okay. A lot of us do. If you wake up on a Tuesday and you feel a little sideways, you go to bed on a Thursday and you feel a little off, it's okay. The Bible says when you're at that place, know that what the Lord wants to do is not going to be generated, is not going to come from what you have inside of you. It's something that's going to have to be transformational. It's supernatural. It's got to be an impartation inside of you because the only way you can operate in it is if the Lord puts you in it. If he puts it on you, puts it inside of you, and then you can operate in it. You can function in it. But that's how it starts. Father, we thank you. We love you. We bless you. You are so good. In Jesus' name, amen.